It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Radio.com Sports presents Big Time Baseball with MLB insider John Heyman and former major leaguer Tony Gwynn Jr. The 2020 baseball season was a 200-meter race. We are now heading into the straightaway, the last 100 meters, and it should be a lot of fun. Welcome into Big Time Baseball. I'm Tony Gwynn Jr. alongside my partner, John Heyman. You can follow us on Twitter at Tony Gwynn Jr. and at John Heyman. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review Big Time Baseball on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Uh, today's show is a good one and a somber one. Uh, we'll have uh, Ron Swoboda to join us a little bit later to, to remember the great, late, great Tom Seaver. Uh, we'll also get into to Lou Brock and, and his passing and, and his contributions to, to, to the game of baseball that we love so much. But let's start off uh, on the East Coast, especially uh, in remembrance of, of Tom Seaver. Let's start with the Mets. Uh, John, because they have, after losing five straight, they've won four of their last five and uh, seem to be moving in the right direction. (laughs) Just when you think they're out of it, uh, that's the Mets (laughs) for you. (laughs) Then again, uh, the other way is true, too. Uh, When you think they're doing great, sometimes they will break your heart. Uh, But uh, they obviously will talk to Swoboda later, and uh, that was the greatest uh, moment in Mets history. 1969 World Series, he had that great catch. Uh, you know, I'm not foreseeing that for this team, but, uh, you know, they're full of surprises. We shall see. I thought that the deadline, a lot of people criticized them. They needed to get a catcher. They got one. They beefed up the pen. They brought back an old friend who's a clubhouse presence in Frazier. A lot of people thought they needed a starter. Um, you know what? Seth Lugo has looked pretty good in that uh, role. I didn't love that move. I didn't really trust Edwin Diaz, but... Uh, at this moment, as we sit here now, the Mets uh, look like they might become a threat. Uh, we'll see. They do. And they, they, they've they cleaned up some of the uh, mistakes in big ways. I mean, they DFA'd Billy Hamilton after he nearly cost them a, a game back uh, on September 3rd. He got caught stealing. And then the next guy, J.D. Davis, homered. Uh, and they had seen enough. They, they ended up designating him and. Uh, you, you hate to see a guy uh, designated, but at the same token, these teams are out trying to win and uh, they can't afford to have mistakes. But I want to focus in on, on, on Jacob deGrom. Uh, this guy is amazing, simply amazing. Uh, he has an ERA of 169, 
Uh, he goes seven innings, one earned, two walks, and is in a 14-1 win over uh, the Phillies yesterday. And, um, you know, now all of a sudden we're, we're having HOF talk already. And um, I'm interested to see where, where you land on it. If he retired right now, John, does he get in? Does he have a case to get in? <laughs> well, you have to you have to go ten years. Technically, I'm being very technical here to avoid the question. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, you know, he has a case. I would say he needs a little bit more. I mean, yeah. uh, at this point, uh, you know, I, I don't want to stick with numbers entirely. I don't have it in front of me, but uh, certainly uh, you can get in. You don't need 300 wins certainly anymore, or probably even 200 wins. There have been guys who've gotten in without the 200 wins. I don't think Sandy Koufax had uh, 200 wins. If you're spectacular over a short period of time, you certainly can be a candidate. Koufax, one of the greatest pitchers of all time, would even have to think about it. So it isn't necessarily a compilation of the wins. And, you know, the Grom, uh, he's got many more years to go. Obviously, he's one of the best pitchers, if not the best in baseball right now. So I think he still has many years to go. But uh, being kind of a late starter in the pitching game, he was a he was an infielder at Stetson uh, College, and when the Mets took him and uh, saw something, and good for them that they did. Uh, and so he's not going to get the 300 wins. He's not going to get 200 wins. But, uh, you know, I'd say he, he looks like he's on track, potentially. Uh, he's won two Cy Youngs. If you win three, uh, it's probably hard to keep someone out. We'll see. Um, I do have a Cy Young vote uh, this year with the National League. Um, and, do you know uh, where it's going yet? Well, you know, you're not allowed to say who you are voting for. But at this point, since we since the season's not over yet, I can say where I think things stand. I think you Darvish is probably the leader for the Cy Young. I agree. I don't have I it in front of me. Um, I think DeGrom is in that next group with uh, Zach Gallen, who really does a great job if you look at it. I think he's the war leader, whatever that means, for in the National League pitchers. <laughs> right. Uh, but uh, right now, I, I'm with you, Tony. I think uh, you, Darvish, is probably the leader. But uh, once the season ends, don't ask me that question because it's very serious. Jack O'Connell will come to my house and rip the ballot away from me if I yeah, tell I, you who I'm voting for. But uh, I, I don't want Jack. <laughs> I, I don't want Jack showing up to your house ripping the ballot. <laughs> no, I, mean, I, I definitely don't. I, I gotta you. say, in, in my opinion, um, I don't know that he has a case yet. As you mentioned, at the very least. I think the, the the lowest bar of, of Hall of Famers is a 10-year run of just being dominant. He hasn't quite got there. He's seven years into his career. He's got a few more of years like this uh, to keep putting up, and then we can start to have that conversation. But I agree. He's probably, at this point, short. Because, um, you know, the standards have changed over time, right? I think because the game has changed, uh, writers have kind of had to change the standards in terms of who's going to get in uh, because I don't know if we're going to see 300 win guys anymore, 200 win guys, or uh, it, it, the longevity of the game and the way players are used uh, nowadays just don't necessarily give you those type of longevity numbers. But on the flip side of that, if you can have a career like Koufax where you are just dominant for a 10 year span, uh, guys can certainly get into Grama's on pace to do just that. Uh, one of the other interesting yeah. things going, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, Jack. I was going to say, I'm a peak guy. So I, you know, I'm Koufax is a, obviously a, a slam dunk. Nobody would think he's not all a famer, but right. I'm a peak guy. So if somebody's great, it doesn't even to me have, have to be great for 10 years. I, I would 
say fewer is fine with me. I'm a peak guy. I voted for Mattingly. You know, to me, it's not. Uh, I don't gotcha. eliminate somebody if they don't have the career numbers. So it'll be an interesting, interesting case if he wins this third Cy Young, and he certainly could win it this year or maybe in a subsequent year. If he wins the third Cy Young, and let's say he finishes with 110 wins or something like that, it'll be interesting to look at. Uh, but uh, I am a peak guy, so I, I do, I do love what he's done so far. Real quick, before I, I, I want to move on to this next subject because one of the younger players that the Mets have brought through their system uh, all of a sudden is not playing as much. Uh, Andres Jimenez has started the last three games as shortstop for the Mets, which means Ahmad Rosario is not playing. Do, do you have any idea what the future holds in terms of how the Mets view him? Because uh, he, he struggled. Let's be honest. He struggled in his time in the big leagues. Hasn't quite gotten to the, the, the status that I think everybody anticipated him getting to. Yeah, he was really good in the second half last year, and nobody thought saw this coming. I think it was even a surprise that they took him in as for the team, and good for the Mets for doing that. He's been uh, fantastic. He can beat you in a lot of ways. Um, he certainly should be a starting player. I, I mean, I personally, I can envision Rosario as the shortstop and Jimenez playing all over the field. Uh, gotcha. But, you know, at this point uh, – you know, Rosario did struggle, as you said. So, I um, mean, to me, he's a starting shortstop at the major league level. If he's not going to be with the Mets, you know, maybe he can be a trade candidate. And they trade him and get something for him if they believe if they are believers in Jimenez. It does feel like Luis Rojas believes in Jimenez and it feels like he's going to be the starter going forward this year. He's made it clear he's going to play the lineup he feels gives him the best chance every day, and at least for the foreseeable future. I think that will be Jimenez and, uh, you know, behind the plate, we're going to see a lot of Chirinos, I think, too. Uh, you know, uh, Ramos has struggled defensively uh, this year. And, uh, you know, the, I think Rojas is his first year in New York. It's a weird year. The team is underachieved to this point, at least in the eyes of many of us. And there's a lot of pressure on him to win now. And uh, he's going to go with a hot hand. And right now it's not Rosario. Yeah, and that's the interesting thing about the 2020 season is that it forces managers to to make these types of decisions, uh, which would normally be in the first couple months of a season, which is actually coming down to stretch run. So you really can't blame managers for putting the best lineup out there that's going to win, uh, especially when everybody seems to be still in. The Mets are two and a half games uh, a, a behind Philadelphia for second place. Is there anything that you think can get this team over the hump? Because you've seen them a lot more than I have this year. Uh, is there something that they need to get them over the hump? Well, I, I think they needed starting pitching. And maybe it will be Lugo. I mean, Lugo, they brought him out of the pen. He was their best reliever. I, I don't love moving someone out of their role where they're performing so well. And, um, you know, I just didn't trust Diaz. Now, Diaz obviously has the talent uh, to do it. Uh, I'm just sure not, not sure he's a closer in New York. I could be proven wrong. It's It wouldn't be the first time, but uh, they, they needed starting pitching. And if Lugo provides it, maybe that's where they get it. They The market was funny. I mean, uh, you know, we've talked yeah. about it for the last few weeks. There weren't many starting pitchers traded. You know, there was one great one, Clevenger. The Mets looked at it, uh, him and Lynn. They weren't going to give up top prospects, so they weren't going to go there. I give the Jays credit. They were able to get three starting pitchers. 
Uh, you know, obviously Robbie Ray was struggling. He was basically a giveaway at this point, but Ty, they got Taiwan Walker early and they ended up getting Stripling. They gave up a prospect for Stripling, Kendall Williams, who, who was, people think can be a top of the rotation starter. So they gave up a lot to get uh, Ross Stripling, who was actually struggling this year. So, um, you know, the Mets weren't willing to mortgage the future. They made three trades. They didn't give up any of their big prospects. They understood where they stood, but, uh, you know, it certainly would have been better for them to get a starting pitcher. All right, let's move into the juicy part of this Mets organization. They've been, obviously, ownership is trying to uh, sell the team, and it looks like they may have singled in on on one particular uh, bid, and that has raised uh, the ire of Mr. Alex Rodriguez, who uh, <laughs> used his media platform to voice his displeasure, feeling like there was some uh, some 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 unfairness going on in terms of how these bids were handled. Uh, what are you hearing on that front? Well, that, that was an interesting one. Uh, in the New York Post, there were unnamed sources saying that A-Rod was not happy with the process. He didn't put his name to it, uh, but uh, I did actually talk to Alex this week, and, uh, you know, he didn't say that he was upset. He didn't repeat any of that to me. Um, you know, I don't think he's going to say that out loud. Uh, he hasn't really denied it publicly, but he did uh, tell Buster Olney uh, uh, for publication, uh, and Buster tweeted that uh, A-Rod was fine with the process. He's just very disappointed, and uh, that's what he told me. Now, of course, he could have a publicist who was more disappointed than him, or he could have a publicist who was doing his bidding. We don't know exactly what went on there. Um, you know, I will say that uh, I like Alex personally. He's got charisma and charm, and uh, he's intelligent. Uh, he knows the game. He loves the game. Uh, he certainly could have brought a lot of positives to the team. But, uh, you know, I think he's smart enough not to publicly at least uh, complain about the process. Uh, you know, you know, going in that the most important thing in the process, and let's be fair about it, both he and Steve Cohn, who uh, right now is not just a leader, he's the presumptive winner. And, you know, you never know how this will turn out because it's not over yet. Uh they both have uh, some issues on their resume. They don't have perfect resumes, but, uh, you know, Alex uh, with the PED suspension and Steve Cohn was fined for uh, insider trading allegations. And I say allegations. He was fined. He did pay a fine. He was not found guilty of anything or convicted of anything. So we have to be fair to all parties here. Uh, but, uh, the, you know, going in that it's about the money and Steve Cohn ha has a reported $15 billion. I haven't looked at his finances. And if I did, I probably wouldn't be able to be smart enough to figure out exactly what it meant. But uh, <laughs> right. he's certainly much richer and he has the money by himself. And uh, Alex took issue with me tweeting that he Alex didn't have the money. Now, you know, he didn't have it by himself, you know. Alex maintains that he had the money with all of his partners, seven billionaires that he had. Uh, you know, of course, it depends how much money they were giving in. And it was reported that he was going to take out a loan, not that others don't take out a loan. And maybe Steve Cohn will, too. But Steve Cohn doesn't need to take out a loan. He had the money by himself. And uh, to be fair about it, uh, you know, that's what it's about, ultimately, as long as there's nothing that uh, is disqualifying about the people who want the team. Uh, you know, you have to have uh, sound finances. And, uh, you know, Alex's may have been sound enough uh, if he was the only candidate for the team. And there was Harris Blitzer as well. But if you have a candidate with $15 billion, uh, it's tough to win. That's the process. And uh, so he didn't make that complaint to me, but 
if he did, the complaint would fall on deaf ears. Uh, Steve Cohn has the money for the team, so that's why he got the team. Yeah, leave it leave it to a New Yorker to take a little shot <laughs> at A-Rod not having enough money as he seemingly <laughs> is moving into the final stages of hopefully wrapping up a, a deal that I think a lot of Mets fans are, are, are looking forward to. Uh, let's move, John, to some sad news. Uh, yesterday, news broke that the original stolen base king, Lou Brock, passed away at age 81. Um, I'm sure today, as news kind of circulated throughout the day after games had started, I'm sure uh, we'll see some tributes today. But Lou Brock, one of the first of his kind to really uh, use the stolen base the way that he did and, and, and really set the stage for stolen base guys uh, moving forward after his career. Yeah, it's been a sad week in uh, Major League Baseball to lose uh, two greats of the game, Tom Seaver and uh, Lou Brock, within a one-week period. Uh, Lou Brock, very nice man, um, yeah. clear, clear Hall of Famer, fantastic career, more than 3,000 hits, uh, Is still is the National League stolen base uh, champion, uh, crown holder, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and I saw it, he, was, he was traded from the Cubs in one of the all-time most lopsided trades uh, ever, uh, Ernie Brolio for Brock. Brock Brolio for Brock. Uh, uh, Brolio had won 18 games in a season for the Cardinals. Uh, previously, he uh, came down with a sore arm. I believe he only won seven games for the Cubs. Brock, in his first year, led the team uh, to a World Series championship over the Yankees, and uh, that would have been enough. Uh, but he went on in the 12 subsequent years, the next 12 years, uh, he averaged 99, averaged 99 runs and 65 stolen bases. I credit Rick Hummel for figuring that out, uh, the commissioner, as we call him, an old-time baseball writer who, who's still a writer and columnist for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. But uh, Lou Brock, uh, what a clutch player. Every time he played, played in the World Series, he was absolutely uh, fabulous um, and a very nice man. Um, I, I, did you have a chance to uh, meet him? Obviously, your dad being a Hall of Famer, uh, you occasionally, uh, and you having a nice long major league career, occasionally get to meet him. But uh, one or two times that I ran to Lou Brock, I found him to be a very nice man. Super, super gentleman is, I think, what I would call Lou Brock. And I, I remember as a young kid being obsessed with Ricky Henderson and my dad uh, forcing me to sit down and learn about Lou Brock because that's, uh, really who started that uh, that kind of style of play, if you will. And, and you know, we talk a lot about Lou Brock and, and the stolen bases, but you mentioned it, 3,000 hits, man. That that just doesn't come for a guy that is solely just out there uh, butting his way on. He, Lou Brock could hit lifetime uh, 293 hitter. And uh, listen, I think we obviously lost. Uh, you said this week has been tough for Major League Baseball. It certainly has. We lose Tom Seaver and, and we lose Lou, Bro Lou Brock, uh, both guys who were uh, baseball royalty in, in this game. And uh, certainly uh, uh, saddens all of us as as we deal with the loss of, of two baseball legends. Uh, moving on to, to our next subject, John. Uh, Joe West, back in the news again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and this one's uh, this one's right out of the Joe West book. Uh, apparently, in in yesterday's game, uh, he ejects GM Mike Rizzo for not wearing a mask. Now, 
Joe <laughs> is also the same umpire that uh, in, in a publication earlier this before the season got started, actually, was saying it was all a hoax in the first place. So I find it interesting, not only that he ejects Mike Grizzle for not having a mask, <laughs> but apparently Mike Grizzle was in a suite by himself. I just don't get this one, John. <laughs> well, Joe West is quite a character, and uh, I do think uh, he, that that does appear to be why he was ejected, although he, he actually had another story later that he heard some barking or somebody in their crew heard some barking from Rizzo way out there on that, uh, from the suite. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I have to, we, ha- I have to say it just to, you know, because this is what Joe West said. We have to give both sides to it. It seems ridiculous. I know that the stadiums are virtually empty and you can hear a lot, but I, I I'm finding it hard to believe that, uh, he heard what uh, Rizzo said from that box, but uh, I mean, you know, we got to throw it out there because that's what he said. In any case, Joe West just loves the attention, and uh, he does. That's he basically does. it. He wants to. <laughs> he wants the attention, and he, you know, even took the. You know, he was uh, on the Zoom call, I guess, with the writers uh, later. Then said that uh, he would even eject uh, President Trump if uh, he heard Trump say those things about him, and then took the time to say that he he would vote for President Trump anyway, again, even if he said those, I don't know. I don't know why he had to add that, but I found it very interesting. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to be political, uh, but uh, it was, uh, he loves the attention. He loves the spotlight. Those are facts that we know and forever. And uh, it's, uh, you know, I think uh, umpires have uh, a forever tenure. I don't know exactly how that happened, but that's the way it is. And, after watching all these games on TV, as I have with the box that they put up there, I am now completely gone 180, and I am four robo umps. I've now moved over to the other side on the robo umps, uh, and it's only too bad we don't going to have robo umps because of Joe West uh, on first base, second base, and third base too. He just he gets under my skin. I'll just say that, but uh, I, I'm in favor of now the robo umps for the. Uh, for the home plate, for the ball and strike calls. Uh, it's not all his fault, but uh, it's, I don't know if you noticed that too, Tony, that I, the, I, the, I'm the glad you brought, calls, they might as well flip a coin on the borderline calls. Cause they, they get no more than 50% of them. Right. I'm glad you brought it up. It's been a discussion in, in, in our, in our room uh, here in Fox Sports San Diego and in, in, our, in our radio room, it has been a noticeable difference this year on especially the the balls and strikes this year it, it it's been and i'm not one that really gets on umpires very often but um it has been noticeably bad this year and from umpires who i think are really good umpires this year so uh certainly the case is is getting stronger for these robo robo umps that i yeah. absolutely despise but at some point <laughs> you know, <laughs> at some point you gotta you gotta try to get these things a, a little bit closer to right right yeah, yeah, maybe I'm just throwing this out there. Again, I'm always making, I'm looking at the other side as I did for Joe West uh, and his claim of hearing something from Mike Rizzo, which I doubt again. But uh, just to show the other side, just a little bit. Maybe it's they didn't have spring training. You know, obviously they had the spring. Tra- the teams played that second spring training in their own park, and there weren't games with all the umpires. Uh, and, you know, there weren't enough games and. Uh, also, twelve of the better umpires uh, opted out this year, and uh, that's so true. We've got some. We've got some 
I was going to say fake umpires. That's terrible. I don't want to say <laughs> fake anything. Anymore. Replacement or, or, you know, we have some substitute umpire. Even replacement has a negative connotation to it. Some substitute umpires. And maybe that's affecting it, but it's you, basically you, 50-50 on the call. You know what else What else could be affecting it is that we're seeing the same umpires because they're not really traveling out of the regions that they're in. So mm-hmm. uh, chances are with without those 12 umpires that, you know, opted out, um, and you, the, the minor league umpires or the, the rotational umpires that come up and down from the minor leagues to the big leagues, uh, that could have something to do with it too. We are seeing the same groups pretty much uh, stay on the whatever uh, part of the United States they're in. They're staying. They're not traveling around like they, mm-hmm. like, they like they usually do. But uh, uh, it, and by the way, all of this happened to Mike Grizzle right after getting a three year extension or three year extension. So. Maybe this was a, a, a kind of a parting gift for the um, from the umpires, or at least Joe West to him. Um, could be. I don't. I don't think. I don't think. I'm not going to give Joe West uh, the blame on that. One, he's, he's jealous <laughs> over the extension. I think that was probably coincidental. Uh, so yeah, I don't I, know. I agree. I agree. Just giving Joe a hard time because he certainly gave me a hard time when I was playing. So oh, uh, you didn't my, deserve it, Tony. Uh, Mike Trout uh, continues his. Um, Assault on Major League Pitching, hit his 300th home run uh, before his 30th birthday, becomes the Angels' all-time home run leader. Trout is the fastest player ever to 300 homers and 200 stolen bases, passing another, I mean, all-time great in Willie Mays. Uh, I got a chance to watch Trout in a two-game set against the Padres. He only went one for eight, but his presence is cleared, and, and, and listen, I there's not a lot of argument. He he, right now, in terms of how long he's been doing it, is is the best player in the big leagues right now. There's just not a lot of argument there. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you see, uh, the only guy that you could make a case for, and he just hasn't done it long enough, and that's Fernando Tatis Jr. Sure, you're right, uh, right. But Trout has now done ten years. We talked about the Hall of Fame earlier. He's now qualified. This is his tenth year, so now he's qualified. That's all he needed to get in the Hall of Fame, and. Uh, uh, just an incredible hitter, incredible player. It's interesting that he passed Willie Mays. Um, you know, he's probably the most similar player to Mays and Mantle. I, w- I would have kind of said Mantle. His career seems to be similar. Of course, Mantle uh, lived a little differently off the field. You wonder what Mantle could have done if he wasn't uh, having such a good, great time off the field. And, and uh, Trout is a pretty wholesome fellow, certainly compared to Mantle. But their career is very similar uh, both incredible combinations of power and speed that you don't see. I mean, Bo Jackson, you would comes to mind with the combination of power and speed that Mantle and Trout and Bo Jackson, of course, was distracted by playing football too. I don't distracted is probably not the right word, but uh, you know his time uh, was divvied up, and he also had that hip injury that uh, changed his speed uh, in his career, certainly and probably his power as well. Uh, but Trout and Mantle, if you look at their careers, I know people made that comparison early, and I was kind of poo-pooing that as someone who had seen the end of Mantle's career, but um, they're very, very similar. Uh, Matt, Mike Trout, just a fantastic guy, and uh, I agree with you, the best player in the game right now. Yeah, listen, I, I think the only thing that, that stops uh, Trout from, you know, just being a you know, his face being plastered everywhere is, I don't know that that's in his DNA. I don't know that he likes that yeah. type of thing. So um, this, what you see is what you get uh, from, from, from uh, Mike Trout. And 
I don't know that he'll ever be like a Fernando Tatis Jr. who seems to kind of enjoy being in the light and, and handles it well. It seems like Mike is a little uncomfortable in, in that set. Uh, you know what? I I I find him to be uh, a great personality. Uh, you're you're right that he hasn't gone out of it. He hasn't gone to seek it. He certainly knows Joe Weston looking for the attention. But <clears throat> if you follow Mike on on Twitter, you know he has a personality and a sense of humor, and he's got other interests, which is great. Uh, he's a a great uh, weather savant. He knows a lot about the weather. <laughs> I think his next career will be at the at the Weather Channel. Uh, it's uh, interesting to see. Uh, you know, I, I find him to be a great personality, but he, he isn't out there. You're you're right about that, and uh, that's the only thing that's probably keeping him from becoming. Uh, well, Mickey Mantle certainly playing in New York helped, and getting right, all the right. World Series that helped as well. And, uh, you know, as, as the Angels are, they're hot now, but, uh, you know, they've underachieved dramatically this year and the pitching, they've never gotten that straight. And, uh, you know, uh, maybe that's part of it too. They're not in the playoffs and they're not New York. I don't want to be New York centric, but, you know, I think that's all part of it. But, uh, you know, Mike Trout's an all-time great, however you slice it. Yeah, and I wasn't trying to say that he, he doesn't have a good part. I, I know Mike has a, a, a terrific personality, but not everybody wants to be in front of a camera all the time. I know uh, my father was like that, so I, I certainly don't blame him. And I, I actually respect it that he just wants to go out, play baseball, and, and, and have a good time doing it. All right, um, let's talk about uh, Francisco Cervelli. Uh, this is it's kind of a sad story. He suffered yet another concussion. Uh, this is quite a few for him. Uh, in his 12-year career. This this could be the last one, though, John. Yeah, I think it might be. We'll see. He's quite a gamer, and he wants to continue his career. And I know that the first doctor suggested that maybe maybe this should be it. He may have said it a little more strongly than that, but I wasn't in the room, so uh, I don't want to say that. But he's going out to seek second and third opinions to see if he can play again. Uh, the unofficial count is seven concussions for him, and uh, people mm. thought his career would be over earlier. And he kept going and kept going. But, I mean, you know, one more foul tip, he's taking chances. And, uh, you know, obviously he'd have to pass the, pass the protocols first, which I don't believe he's done. But uh, I, I think if the doctors tell him the time's up, uh, he should listen to the doctors. And I'm sure that the Marlins will too. But what a great personality he has. And uh, he was great for the Marlins uh, in the games early uh, when Alfaro was out with the COVID, as most of their team was. And uh, helped kept them alive and kept that, you know, got that streak going against the Orioles early on. And uh, really the Marlins uh, still in playoff position as we speak here today anyway. So it's interesting to see uh, what, what's going on there with the Marlins. Yeah, no, definitely. Cervelli uh, has put together a, a really good career uh, at that catching position. And it is crazy to say that the Marlins are still in it. We're going to step away, take a break for a sec. Uh, we still have Ron Swoboda, uh, uh, the interview, kind of remembering the late, great Tom Seaver. Uh, plus, we got John Heyman's insider corner. Uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. 
Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 